0: Okay, good morning. Welcome to week two of A Timeless Antique. So we are talking about the liturgy. Last week, we discussed the history of the liturgy, the origins of it, where did it come from, how did it start. Um, Let's briefly just review that really quick. So we said this sacrament, which by the way, let's discuss really fast, what is a sacrament? So a sacrament is an unseen act Of the Holy Spirit through a seen action of the church okay so on Sunday what we see is we see the priest we see the deacons we see bread and wine and the unseen act of the Holy Spirit is the transformation of that bread and wine becoming the body and blood of Christ so in each sacrament there is an unseen portion and a seen portion So, this sacrament covers the whole dimension of our Christian existence. We're talking about the liturgy. The significance of what it means to be a member of the church, what it means to grow in the image and likeness of God, what it means to love God and our fellow man, and what it means to receive the continuing presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Okay, so this is... the whole sacrament of the liturgy in a nutshell. We also discussed that in the very, very beginning during the time of the temple, this was the the, the beginning of where um, the liturgical interaction with God happens. He gives his people by word of mouth exactly how they should worship him and how they should dine and meet with him in the temple. Then from that we see the Jewish form of worship in the synagogue and directly from the synagogue worship is where we get our liturgy today. Of course there was a lot of um, little minor changes that happened but the basis and the foundation came from that synagogue worship and we saw how it came directly from um, the mouth of Christ during the last supper with his disciples. Okay, this week, warning, <laughs> we will be saying the word symbolizes and represents a lot today. Okay, so before, let's just get some uh, uh, definitions out of the way. So a right, what is a right? So in Arabic, right is tux and in Greek, it's taxis. And these are, this means a system. Okay, so the liturgy is full is a system full of symbols, from the shape of the church, to the utensils being used, to the order of um, the the deaconship, the priesthood, and then their vestments. There are so many symbols that happen during the liturgy. Everything we do in the liturgy, from the from the from the verses that we read, from the prayers that we pray. Everything has a meaning. Everything is done for a purpose. Okay. So now, rites to rituals. And I apologize for the technical issue. Um, Forty days after the resurrection, we read in Acts 1-3, Christ gives us, continues to give. So it, it wasn't just in the Last Supper He showed them what to do and then left them to their own devices and to figure things out. Forty days after the resurrection, he spent time here on earth with his disciples. He continued to teach them and walk them through how worship here on earth should look. Okay, so the verse Acts 1-3 says, To whom he, Christ, also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So our holy church here on earth is the earthly kingdom of God here on earth. What we do in church represents and mimics exactly what happens in the worship in heaven. And we talked about that. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter eight. It continued, these teachings and how we should conduct ourselves in our church and in our liturgy continued through the apostles and then in future generations. So St. Paul to the early Christian church says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So there there was no break in translation. It just continued from Christ and then through the apostles and it continues today. Then St. Paul to his disciple Timothy, because obviously St. Paul wasn't going to live forever and the apostles weren't going to live forever, so they had to set people up in order for them to continue um, for generations. So to St. Paul telling his disciple Timothy, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So here we see the continuation from generation to generation in keeping the the origins of the liturgy from the time of Christ. Okay, the liturgy actually starts Saturday evening, not on Sunday. So remember how we talked about the Jewish day. The way the Jewish day works is... The day starts from sunset the day before. So Sunday actually starts the evening of Saturday at sunset. Okay, so our so we continue this same um, tradition. So Sunday, the liturgy of Sunday starts Saturday evening with vespers. Okay, and that's raising of incense. And then midnight prayers and praises. We're not going to talk about Saturday today, but... Um, I want you guys to know that that is part of the liturgy. And, And actually in the monasteries until today, they still continue where there's no going home and sleeping. They just go through the night. And so it really starts Sunday, Saturday night and goes all the way through Sunday. Sunday, we have matins, which is also raising of incense. So vespers is evening raising of incense and matins is morning raising of incense and then liturgy of the word and liturgy of the faithful. So we'll go into this a little bit deeper, but this is just the simplest format of what the liturgy looks like. Okay, there's no way for us to discuss every single part of the liturgy. So I wanna just highlight bits and pieces for us to kind of just, be like catch our attention while we're standing on Sunday. It's long, we might not know what's going on, we might not know what's happening. So let's just highlight some parts, of course all parts are important, but let's just highlight some parts for us to um, grab our attention on Sundays. So let's talk about matins. So morning raising of incense, two fun facts before we talk about um, matins. Matins can be prayed by itself in and of itself. So it can be a service in and of itself, but you cannot have a liturgy without matins. So you can pray matins without a liturgy, but you can't pray liturgy without matins. And then does anybody know what the word matins means? Anybody? Okay, it actually means the morning song of birds. So just like the birds are waking up in the morning and you hear their morning sound, we too are waking up early with the morning incense of prayer with the birds, singing with the birds. So I thought that was an interesting fact. Okay, so what is matins? What is it? So like I said, raising of incense. U- the use of incense is not something that we decided to do to make the church smell nice. Okay, this is something that we see in biblical rituals, okay, all the way back in the time of Christ, and like I said, in the synagogue, this is something that was being used. You can read a lot about the, the use of incense, especially the use of incense with worship in Revelations chapter 8. So what is it it's the introduction and preparation for the liturgy so that's the reason why you cannot have a liturgy without matins and then it requests the lord's blessing on the service that's about to happen it requests that the lord comes and be's, and, and is with us while we are continue uh, while we start the service so the the raising of incense is a lot of prayers and praises and it's literally like the the song of the birds in the morning and we are beginning our sunday service with that same mentality and that same spirit so uh, one of one of the 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 praises that we do called the morning doxologies which the word doxology just means a short hymn so the one of the the morning doxologies we do is we we are praising or we are asking for the intercession of the saints and saint mary so we are literally greeting them as if you would greet someone in the morning telling them good morning and we are greeting these saints and asking them to come and be with us because they are here they're here praising and worshiping with us so i thought that was a nice point that we should all remember that when you come and you're praying it's not just you by yourself but the, the saints are there with us, and so when we ask for their intercessions, it's because they are there with us. Um, another very important thing that we do during Matins is that we we pray the prayer of Thanksgiving. Every single service in the church, whether it be a wedding, a funeral, um, any any a, a liturgy, a baptism any service that we do in the church we start with a prayer of thanksgiving because we thank God for everything and in everything whether it's good or bad so and and we we recognize that the good and the bad comes from from the Lord so no matter what service we're doing like i said whether it be a, a joyful wedding or a funeral we are thank we we start off by thanking the Lord because all things Good or bad, come from him. So we thank him for all of the things that that we partake in, because all of it is a, according to his will. So the morning of th- the, the the prayer of Thanksgiving is oh is is in the prayer of of uh, the raising of incense in the morning and also in the evening because that's a separate a separate service. So after the the Thanksgiving prayer, you'll see. The priest gets the censer and he'll put five spoonfuls of incense in the censer. And this represents one of each of these five men that we see in the Bible who gave an acceptable sacrifice. So our priests are the continuation of those acceptable sacrifices that we see in the Bible. Okay. So... Abel, Noah, Melchizedek, Aaron, and Zacharias, okay? So when you see the priest putting those five spoonfuls, it's um, on the name of each one of these men. Okay, I wanna just kind of, that's great. Abuna's doing this, the priest is doing this, the deacons are doing this. What is my part during the the raising of incense. What's my part? This is a time of prayer. All parts in the liturgy is a time of prayer. But I want us to focus on a couple of things to pray for. So during this time, pray for the world. We say a lot of litanies during this time. So the litanies are small prayers for different things. And we'll go more in detail of that as our talk continues. But we are praying for the world. So pray for your church, pray for your priest, pray for the deacons, pray for the servants, pray for your family, pray for the whole world during this time. Anytime you see incense being used in the church, this is a time for you to take intercession from the saints. And it's funny because when we're little... You know you have your grandma telling you pray pray and my grandma always used to tell me do you see the incense going up there the incense is taking your prayers and and the the saints are taking your prayers and the incense and taking them up to the throne of God so small visuals like that that we see keep those visuals in mind and make that incense going up to be a reminder for us to pray and to send our prayers up in that instance i remember so remember we said matins can be prayed in and of itself as a service i remember always seeing this lady she worked on sundays but she would always come and pray in matins and then she would leave right after she real she recognized what a great service just that small 30 minute prayer is she would literally come pray the the matins prayer and then she would leave and i was always like what is going on with this lady why does why is she not staying for the whole liturgy and she had to work but she but she felt within herself to come and to just pray the matins prayer was enough blessing for her on on a sunday so it's very it's a very very important time for us to come and to pray another thing I want to say about raising of incense a lot of the time you'll see people as soon as as soon as the priest gets the the censer that they'll start standing up and doing the sign of the cross a lot of people think that this is out of reverence for the priest and no offense to the priest we love them very much but this is so much more than just reverence to the priest okay and I remember um father luke Uh, the late Father Luke, he would always, he would always say, when the priest is sensing, this is a time for us to accept blessings from, from, from the Lord. Are you going to sit and take your blessings while you're sitting down in your chair? Of course not. You're not going to take a blessing from God while you're sitting in your chair. And so if we have this understanding of this is a time for me to pray and this is a time for me to accept blessing from God, I'm not going to feel like this is a time for me to sit back in, in my chair, okay? So just like we ask God's blessing on the upcoming liturgical service, ask God during this time to open your heart and open your mind and be ready for the service as well. Okay, the next part that I wanna talk about is the offertory. So this, this part kind of falls in between matins and the liturgy of the word. It's kind of its own service. So the beginning of this service is when you see the deacons and the priests putting on their vestments, putting on their clothes. This is the beginning of the offertory service. So We read the Psalms. So we're reading from the Book of Prayers. Usually it's the third and sixth hour unless it's during Lent or um, an annual time. And then something something that's interesting about this time is that the bread, the bread that's going to be offered as the lamb, that has to be in the basket. And then the, the wine has to be in the decanter. And both of those things have to be present during the reading of the psalms why because the psalms are prophecies about the incarnation of the lord okay so we read the psalms while these these gifts are present because the the psalms are prophecies i want to talk a little bit about the bread what it looks like why does it look like that what are these symbols what is what is what what is these uh these things that are on the bread what does it mean okay so the whole point of the offertory service is for the priest to pick the most perfect bread and this symbolizes Christ the lamb the offertory lamb being perfect and without blemish okay so when the priest is looking at the 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 holy bread or the korban He is looking for the most round, most perfect one. Again, to symbolize Christ's perfection. And then it is also round because we know that there is no beginning and no end to God. There is no beginning and no end. So the words around the um, imprinted on the edge are the Greek words for holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal. Holy God, holy, almighty, holy, immortal. And then you see 12, um, 12 squares um, with crosses inside of them. Those are the 12 disciples. And then in the center, the large square is Christ. So Christ in the middle and surrounding the, the one in the middle, the 12 dis- disciples. Um, five holes if you can see there are five holes surrounding the the part in the middle surrounding the lord and this represents the suffering that he endures so three three holes for the three nail wounds and then one for the crown of thorns and one for the spear in his side okay Two things that you might not be able to see from your seat that's happening that the priest is doing, but um, something that, that the priest has to do is he always has to keep the one that he is choosing in his right hand, and he never ever flips it upside down, okay? It never gets flipped upside down, and this emphasizes the superior honor and glory of the sacrifice of the New Testament, okay which is Christ and then after he chooses the one that's going to be the sacrificial lamb after he chooses the one he touches all the rest of the ones that he leaves behind why does he do this he touches the remaining breads in order to show that the chosen bread symbolizes that all the sacrifices of the old alt- Old Testament now is pointing to the one sacrifice of the the New Testament. Okay, so this symbolizes, again, the touching symbolizes that all the sacrifices of the Old Testament points to the one um, final sacrifice uh, on the cross of the New Testament. Okay, let's talk about the liturgy of the word. So... The liturgy of the word. So we have, we start off with the Pauline epistle. Who can guess who wrote the Pauline epistles? The Pauline epistles. St. Paul. So the Pauline epistles were written by St. Paul. So we'll read an epistle by St. Paul. And then the Catholic epistle is read and then the Acts, and then the Synexerion, and then the Gospel, and then the Sermon. So let's go over each one really quick. So the Pauline, during the Pauline epistle, the priest will sense around the whole entire church. Okay? And this, this represents the, the preaching of the Gospel going through all the nations. Okay? To all the nations. The Catholic epistles, there is no sensing. Um, this is these are universal they were not written to a specific uh, group of people they were not written to the Galatians or the Corinthians or it was not a a specific group of people it was written to all nations and then acts for the acts so the acts are all about the acts of the apostles so they're, they're um their preaching was limited to Judea at that time, and so you'll see the priest sensing only in the front of the church. He doesn't pass the front pews of the church, and so that's the reason why. For the Senexarian, um, these are the, de- the daily commemorations of the saints. If ever you have a question about when a saint lived or what a previous life of a saint looked like. You can always find it in the Synexarian. And then the gospel. I want to read to you guys what the priest says, the the praying the prayers that the priest says in order to um, set up the gospel. OK, these are his words. O Master, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, who said to his saintly honored disciples and holy apostles, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them and to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. But as for you, now this is switching. Now now the priest is talking to you, okay? But as for you, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. So now, so the priest is first talking to the Lord. So many prophets have wanted, they wanted to see, they wanted to understand what was happening and they couldn't. And then the priest is talking to you. Blessed are your eyes because you've seen that, that Christ died and he's now resurrected. You've seen the prophecies being fulfilled. Blessed are your ears because you are the ones that hear and, and are living the fulfillment of what, of these prophecies. And then he prays, may we be worthy to hear and to act. He could have just stopped and said, may we be, may be, may we be worthy to hear in this moment and continued. But no, what's the point of hearing if we're not going to act? On these on these Gospels what what's the point of just hearing and going on to another Sunday without acting upon these things so may we be worthy to hear and to act according to your holy Gospels through the prayers of your Saints through the prayers of those who came before you and who heard and act who who heard and acted upon the the things that they witnessed okay so I want us to I want us to keep something in mind. Although we have four gospels, I want us to be the fifth gospel. I want us to be the continuation of what we hear and read in the gospels. We need to leave out of these buildings and be the fifth gospel. Be act upon the things that we were set here in this generation to continue. From the apostles and from Christ and from generations before us. Okay, next I want to talk about the prayer of reconciliation. So the prayer of reconciliation has three main parts that we um, that that we pray. So first we're praying to God about the fall of man. Okay, the fall of man all the way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And then because of that, because of that fall, we have a separation from God. So what is going to bring us back together? What is going to bring us, what is going to bring that separation back is the reconciliation. And we do this with a symbol of greeting one another with a holy kiss. Another story from my grandma, something that I witnessed and it, it put into perspective how important the prayer of reconciliation is not only between me and god this way but between me and my fellow men this way one i i was standing next to my 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 grandma one time and then the deacon says greet one another with a holy kiss and she leaves and this was like before the time of COVID and we were like splitting for real, like men and women were split. She goes over to the men's side and she's like greeting someone and we're like, what in the world is she doing? Like, why, why did she go all the way on the other side? So of course, after we had to ask her, like, what's up with that? Like, why did you go all the way over there? And she said, I heard that he was upset from me. I did something or I said something, I forgot what it is now, and he was upset from me and She could not partake of communion, knowing that that person was upset from her. And that really, really put into perspective the importance of reconciliation. Again, not only between me and God, but between me and my fellow men. How can I be reconciled with God if I have something between me and someone else? So this is a very dramatic and very drastic example but this just shows the importance of reconciliation, especially when we are going to be reconciled with God. Okay, I'm sorry. I, the rest of the PowerPoint is not there. I don't know what happened there, so you'll just have to uh, forgive me and listen to my voice without any visuals. Um, so a fun fact about the prayer of reconciliation. So during Holy Week, on uh, covenant thursday we have a liturgy but we do not pray the prayer of reconciliation because we have not been reconciled with god because there is no there has not been any death on the cross yet so we become reconciled after the death and resurrection of christ so on covenant thursday or holy thursday during the holy uh, during holy week we do not pray the prayer of reconciliation so just a fun fact for you. Okay, the next part I want to talk about is the heavenly hymn. This is personally my favorite part of the liturgy because now everything that that we've been doing up until this point is all visual things that we're doing here on earth. So now we're seeing... The priest sensing, and we have the deacons going up and, and reading from, from the book for the liturgy of the word. But here now, for the heavenly hymn, we hear the priest saying, Lift up your hearts. And we respond, We have them with the Lord. So, why does the priest say, Lift up your hearts? During this time, it's as if, I heard, I heard a priest describe this one time, it's as if the whole church now is floating up to heaven. Like now we are floating up to heaven during this time. So the priest is saying, prepare your hearts for this journey. Prepare your hearts for this, this journey, pretty much, of us going from here on earth to now, we are focusing on things up in heaven. Okay, I want to make, make a comment here. If you cannot focus on heaven during this time, trust me, I understand. I'm running around, I'm changing a diaper, I'm giving a bottle. Like, I understand sometimes it's very difficult for us to focus our minds on what's happening, especially when there are so many things going on. Do not be afraid to not say the phrase. It's okay. Don't say we have them with the Lord. If your heart is not with the Lord, it's okay to say that your heart is not with the Lord. But what can you do instead? In that moment, pray for your focus to be on the Lord. Pray, close your eyes, try your best to block out the distractions. Be be vulnerable, be honest, be purposeful. And in that moment, God knows your heart. So, why not be honest with yourself and be honest with him? My heart is not with you. I, I do I feel very far away. I don't feel like I am focused on you. There is no problem with you not with, with, with you being honest and vulnerable and being intimate with God and being intimate in that moment and asking for God to connect you so that you can be connected with him in that moment. So don't just go reciting things that are up on the screen just because they're there but really truly if your heart is not with the lord there's no problem pray that you can get there another thing that we hear during the holy hymn is the word holy or agios okay and then the priest does says this three times holy 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 the first time he signs the, the cross on himself. The third time he signs on those that are serving with him on the altar. And then the third time he'll turn around and sign the congregation. Each time he is praying for, he's praying for himself during that time so that he may be worthy of these, of the sacrament. He's praying for those that are serving with him. And when he turns around, he is praying for you. So the the word holy is a prayer in it of itself. Just you saying the word holy is a prayer. The most strong prayer, especially against Satan and his distractions. So just like the priest is praying for you in that moment to be focused, pray for the priest. Pray for the deacons. Pray for each other. Pray for yourself to be focused during that time so that you can defeat Satan and defeat any distractions that are trying to take away from that holiness in that time. Okay, next I want to talk about the consecration. This is the moment in time where we hear the priest Asking for the descent of the Holy Spirit on the, the the bread and the wine to be transformed into the body and blood of Christ. However, even though this is a moment where we, where we, it's a visual, it's audio where we're hearing something that's happening in a moment of time, we still can't say for certain that this is the exact moment that the The bread and wine is being transformed into the body and blood. Hence the word mystery. It's a mystery. The sacraments are all mysteries. We do our part here on earth, but we don't know exactly when that moment is. But again, even though we're here, our minds are limited. We can still take this time to pray again. Ask the Lord, just like you are transforming these ordinary gifts into an extraordinary, transforming food for my soul, transform this issue that I'm having with my spouse, transform this issue that I'm having at work, transform this relationship that I'm having a hard time with, transform anything that you want to transform during this time, Take this time of the transformation of the mystery to be a reminder for you to to be in constant transformation in your own life. Okay. Then we have something called the commemoration. And I have to admit that as a little child, I always used to say, why do we have to go through all the saints every Sunday? We have to go through all of their names. And it was like, you know, as a little kid, you want to just find any excuse of what can be taken out to make the liturgy shorter. This is actually a very, very great time for us to take an intercession not only from a specific saint, but from a saint that may have overcome something that you are going through. So I know in one of the talks of um, the eight, y'all were talking about St. Moses and how he was a great example of how not to judge. If I'm having a hard time judging my fellow man, what greater person, to ask for their intercession than, than St. Moses, someone that was the, the, the perfect example of not judging. So take this time during the commemorations of the saint of the saints to take their intercession, especially if it's for something in particular that you're working on in your life. Um, I, I want to read a verse to also show what an importance it is for us to take the intercessions of the saints. This is in Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensures us, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are those cloud of witnesses? Those are the saints, the saints that came before us, the ones who witnessed life already, who went through the same struggles that we're going through and who overcame. So take their intercession, take their examples, and help apply them in your life. Okay, another part in the liturgy where I personally, as a young child, checked out so the fraction prayer right before communion this is like a time where we're like telling our kids okay it's almost it's almost communion time it's Abuna's almost done you know so it can feel like a big long prayer that just goes on and on and on if we don't truly know the significance of it okay so the reason why it's called the fraction prayer is because during this time the the body is being fractioned to symbolize the suffering of of Christ. And then Abuna now is fractioning the, the body in preparation for communion. So this is why it's called the fraction prayer. There are two purposes for the fraction prayer. First, again, it's thanksgiving to God for this inexpressible gift that we're about to partake of. And then also, it's a supplication asking the Lord to purify our hearts, souls, and bodies in order for us to partake of the holy body and precious blood that we are about to partake of. So it's thanking him for the mystery and then asking him for purification of our souls in order for us to partake. So don't... Please don't discredit the fraction prayer. Listen to the words. A lot of the times, too, we are speaking directly to God. We are reminding him of things that he's done in the past, of blessings that he's done. We're reminding him of, of, of people that he has um, enabled, for them, enabled for, him, for them to overcome. We are speaking directly to God during this time, and it doesn't only have to be for the priest. Take the words that the priest is is saying and pray them for yourself as if they are your prayers. Okay, and then finally, when you hear the priest saying amen, 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 I believe, I believe, I believe, and confess to my last breath. This is the confession prayer. Now, this is the time where you're gathering your kids, taking your shoes off, we're getting ready because Abuna's done. We're about to take communion. I challenge you to pause during that time, okay? I know it's very tempting. The liturgy is in our minds, it's over. We're about to start communion. We're starting to gather up ourselves, take our shoes off. But I challenge us to. Stop and to pause during this time. Listen to the words that are being said. And then this is your last chance to meditate, to pray, and to self-examine. Are you approaching the mysteries worthily? Did you leave everything you have in prayer? How does your heart look approaching the gifts that you are about to receive in communion? I want to read um, an an inaudible prayer that the priest is praying during this time. Make us all worthy. The priest is praying for himself, but he's praying for all of us. Make us all worthy, O Lord, to partake of your holy body and honor blood for the purification of our souls, bodies, and spirits, and for the forgiveness of our sins, that we may become one body and one spirit with you. So we're not only looking for us to partake of it in it of ourselves, but for us to become one, to become one through this sacrament and through this mystery. Then we have communion and then one final prayer I want you guys to um, listen out for, the dismissal. So we all know the saints are with us All the saints are with us um, uh, during the liturgy, and then of course the lamb himself is on the altar present with us. But also we have angels that are there surrounding the altar. So after the priest um, does the, we we do the concluding prayer, and the priest is done uh, giving the blessing through the water, this is the prayer he prays to dismiss the angel. O angel of this sacrifice, which is the Eucharist that we just partook of, flying up to the highest with this hymn, the hymn that we all just gave the angel through our prayers and through the liturgy. Remember us before our Lord that he may forgive us our sins. So even to the very, very end, we are asking for the Lord to be with us and to um, to forgive us our sins. So these are just a few um, points for the liturgy that I wanted to to share with you guys today. I hope this kind of like gives us a little bit more insight into what's happening, what's going on, what are some things that can kind of grab my attention when I'm kind of drifting off and like not really paying attention. We're all there, we're all, none of us, you know, can say that we're 100% Um, focus at all times but hopefully if we kind of know what's happening in certain points it can kind of um, grasp our attention and we can be a little bit more connected to what's happening so next week we're going to dig deeper a little bit more deeper into what are practical ways like literal, practical ways of how I can enjoy the liturgy, like being my body in the liturgy. So if the history part wasn't for you today, learning what Abuna's doing and all of that stuff is still not for you, no problem. Next week, we're going to um, delve a little bit into practical ways of how I can participate, enjoy, and then really crave the liturgy from week to week. Okay? Let's stand up to pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, again for this time that you give us to step away from life and from the busyness of what's going on, to come and to hear your word, to partake of your holy body and precious blood. We thank you so much for the gifts that you give us, not only on Sundays, but always. And we ask you to please open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to the blessings that you give us, the intimacy that you crave to have with us during the liturgy and throughout our relationship with you. We ask you to please continue to strengthen our relationship with the liturgy so that we can come and meet you here in the most intimate way to gain from you your gifts and to gain from you salvation and forgiveness of sin. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Moses, the strong, St. Mark, the beholder of God, and all your saints, hear us as we pray together. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.